Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. It's time for another edition of Your Financial Mission. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Janine Theus. She is the CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors. And if you don't know by now, she's your financial commander here on the show, helping us work our way through that sometimes hard to understand financial landscape. She is serving you not only in the Columbia area, but throughout Howard County. And you can find us online by going to TheusWealthAdvisors.com. That's TheusWealthAdvisors.com. Janine, great to talk with you once again. How are you this week? Doing great, Walter. It's been a really busy, well, last week was very busy, and of course then there was Thanksgiving, so that was kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a, as we're recording this, we're kind of in that that little lull between Thanksgiving and Christmas. By the time you're listening to today's show, it's probably just a couple of days before Christmas if you're listening to it right after its release. So we're starting to get into the holiday spirit, and hopefully by the time you're listening to this, you're full bore into the holiday spirit at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Well, it's the best time of year, certainly, and we've got a pretty good podcast. I won't assume that it's the best podcast just because it's the best time of year, obviously, but I think we've got a pretty good one on the agenda today. We're going to see what's happening in the news here in just a moment. We've also got a great story that Janine is going to tell us today as well, when strong beliefs are built on weak foundations. That'll be kind of the topic of our story today, and we're going to have a really good email question on the mailbag, a question that's coming to us from Alan, so stay tuned for all all of that straight ahead on today's program. But first, as we said, Janine, it's time to see what's happening in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. And the headline that we're going to tackle today has to do with the stock market. That's always making headlines, it seems. And it seems like any time, Janine, that we have a bad week in the market, some people will say, you know, this is it. The crash is coming. Here it is finally. And then other folks will say it's not a big deal. We were due for a slight correction. Things will be back to normal in no time. Well, how in the world do we know who's right? Well, one good thing to take away from this is nobody has a clue, <laughs> which is counterintuitive because you'd think all these people on Wall Street and all the financial writers, somebody has to have a clue, the economists or some bigwig at Merrill or you know Morgan Stanley or whoever. And here's the thing, there is always a chicken little story when the market is volatile. And this year it has been quite volatile. I just sent out an email about a week, last week actually, about looking at from last December 2017 to end of November 2018. And it looks like a roller coaster. So this is one of those volatile years. And here's the thing we don't know. And it has happened in the past number of times. We're in December, the market gains back everything it lost. So it's hard to predict going forward, but we actually had a very volatile year in 2011, and it was a blip because it was so soon after 2008 that people don't remember that, that it was actually the market was down between 3 and 5%, depending on the asset class, but the market was down in 2011. And then again, in 2015, it was very, very flat. 
And it just seemed like a blip because there wasn't a lot of, I guess, unrest in the media. Yeah. So, you know, is the crash coming? I've seen lots of different stories about the crash coming and, you know, what this could mean, the bond prices, the debt. And I don't think there's a crash per se, not like in 2008, which was a legitimate contagion, if you will. But I don't see that happening at all. And when you read widely, people aren't saying that really. But you do have every three to four years a market where it's up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah. <laughs> so it is a roller coaster. So it is no big deal that we are in, you know, due for some slight correction. And guess what? The market currently, as I'm looking at the Dow, it's up 193, 194. You know, it's up and it's getting closer to 26,000 when it was down into the 23s not too long ago. Mm. And right after you it know, fell to that 23, there were probably some folks saying this is going to continue. This is it. I mean, probably just a few weeks and months ago. Oh, yeah. Literally a few weeks ago. People were saying, oh, my gosh, this is it. And then there was one big article where the guy had some interesting points. I can't remember his name now, but it was an interesting article from the standpoint of he made some interesting points, but his take on history was completely inaccurate. So unless you're following this regularly, you're not going to pick up on some of that. And so you're going to react emotionally to, oh, my gosh, the sky's falling. <laughs> The market's down 200 points. But if you look at this year, it's been up and down three and four and 500 points quite frequently. So the overarching message is stay the course. Mm. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't let yeah, your emotions take over. Yeah, don't make any crazy moves and stay with your allocation strategy. And if you really need to visit the allocation strategy, then it's worth coming in and talking about it because most of my clients are in the proper allocation regardless of what the market's doing. Hmm. Probably um, a good reminder for these things as well, being, as we mentioned, the timing at the beginning of today's podcast, being around the holidays, certainly these principles hold true all the time. These you know ways of thinking are going to apply any time of year, but particularly this time of year, you might be around the dinner table with family, just like you were at Thanksgiving and discussing you know things and financial matters may come up at your family gatherings. And, um, you know, that's... <laughs> Don't, don't, don't and let, it would be a great Christmas present if the market did right, finish yeah. in great positive territory. <laughs> but don't let Uncle Bernie, you know, I guess I shouldn't say Uncle Bernie. That's got so many political ties to it. Don't let Uncle Joe, can I use that one? Is that not politically <laughs> yes. charged? You know, start going crazy about the market and trying to cause panic in the family ranks. So just be, right, be right. cognizant and, of And that. people who, you know, will claim to have a bead on where the market is going, which I did have a gentleman come in and talk about his opinion that the market was only going to earn 1%, that the S&P was only going to earn 1% over the next decade. And I said, where did you get that? Well, there's a local advisor, man money manager who's made that prediction. And I go, and that's exactly what it is. It's just a prediction. Right. And I would want to see all the stats that he's using because that just doesn't happen. That's funny. Like that. Wasn't even really the guy's opinion, you know, it was someone else's opinion that he was just passing mm -hmm. on at that point. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. Or acting on or choosing to believe. Well, there you go. That's what's happening in the news. Continued market fluctuations. But remember that, you know, none of these prognosticators really know what's going on or what's going to happen and to not let your emotions affect you too much as we ride that roller coaster up and back down, as we seem to have done many times over the last couple of months. That's what's happening in the news. It's time for story time here on Your Financial Mission. I always enjoy when we bust out one of these more in-depth stories, Janine, because they're so helpful. And we've kind of titled our story today, When Strong Beliefs Are Built on Weak Foundations. And I'm wondering if you can tell us about a time when you met with somebody who had really strong opinions about something in the financial world, but they were really wrong. Well, there's a couple things. And so we just finished up talking about believing that the market was going to crash. So I've got a couple of quick stories. A gentleman came in and he, because of some information he'd gotten, believed that the market was going to act in a certain way for a long period of time. And what happened is, is he had gone to cash. And I've actually had a few people come in who went to cash after 2008 and were so terrified with this hindsight bias. And I, my big question to him was, does anything ever stay the same in life? No. If you look at the market history, it does not stay the same. Over the long period of time, it goes up. I said, what you've done is cost yourself significant increase because you went to cash. And the cash is sitting in a qualified plan. So you're going to be taxed on all that cash when you take it out. Mm. So it's, you know, you're going to be affected by the inflation and the taxes and everything else, the increases, and you have no growth to offset all of that increase because you're so locked into this mindset that the sky has fallen and it's never going to get back up. And there are quite a few people who fall into that realm. I had another couple come in with regard to money decisions who were wondering, should they pay their house off? Now, the problem with this particular couple is they didn't have a lot of liquidity outside of the house. So I, my question to them was, where does the liquidity for income come from unless you're going to do a reverse mortgage? And I think this is a common problem that a lot of folks run into if they have not saved enough or they have like $300,000 over here in a savings account, but they're going to use that savings to pay off their house. And my biggest question is, where does the income come from? When And if you need liquidity, where does that come from? If your car breaks down, if you, ha- if, you know, if you have emergency surgery, where does the cash come from to pay for these things if you've put it all into your house? So in the market at large, there is this money decision that I should pay off my house. And that's really an old concept from our parents or in our grandparents, pay off your house, then you own your house. There's a new concept, and when you look at the economics of that decision, it doesn't work for a lot of people. Now, if you want to pay off your house because you're 75 and you're going to live there for the next 20 years, it's definitely a factor to consider that could work if you have other liquidity. But for a lot of people who want to pay off the house at 50 or 40 or even 60, it depends on what else is going on in your world. And houses appreciate at 2 or 3%, whereas the market long-term is 10 So if I put all my money into the house, I've lost my flexibility and control of the money itself. And potential. And potential. Exactly right. And what we found for a lot of folks in 2008, which was a debacle in many respects, in many different instances in terms of money decisions, if I had paid off my house and I lost my job, 
I now have no income. Now I need money. Well, the only way to get the money, I can't go get a line of credit. I can't, you know, the HELOC or even a home loan if I wanted to take the money back out of the house. Because guess what? The mortgage is a lien on your income. And if you don't have income, they're not giving you your money back. This happens to people who become disabled. Same situation. If you're disabled, can't work, now you need money and it's all in your house, you will have to sell the house to get the money and go find someplace else to live. So that's a, a money decision that a lot of people in the financial world get wrong because it obviously depends on circumstance. It depends on how much liquidity outside of the house that you have. But I'm not a big advocate of paying off the house as long as you're working or you have other capital. It's interesting to hear those stories and a strong belief that, you know, bias thinking of the past, short-term sites, all of those different things kind of play into that equation as you look back to 2008. And it's an unfortunate story to hear because of all that lost opportunity. And then you laid out some other examples for us about how people lose opportunity as well. So it's good to remember the stories of those who have come before us and maybe slipped up, had some obstacles that they struggled to overcome so that we don't have to commit the same, I don't want to call it sins or atrocities, that's maybe a bit too harsh, but so that we don't make the same mistakes. I guess I'll go for, right. the, old, for the old standby there. So that we don't make the same mistakes or repeat history. We can learn from the past. It's always helpful to look back that way. All right, Janine, let's get out the letter opener and tear up the envelope here to open up our mailbag question on this week's podcast. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. And this one comes to us from Alan. Alan says, I'm hesitant to pay off my house. By the way, if you want to submit a question, go to TheusWealthAdvisors.com. That's TheusWealthAdvisors.com. Contact us through the website. I'm hesitant to pay off my house, Alan says, because I don't have many other tax deductions at this point. But I have $100,000 in the bank, and I only owe $25,000 on the house. So it's really tempting to just go ahead and pay it off what are your thoughts? Well, this just happens to be somewhat similar to the situation you were talking about a few minutes ago. Exactly. And it's a great segue because the answer is always, it depends. Do you have other liquidity? How old are you? Are you going to continue to work? Are you married? Or do you have children? Um, who's staying in the house? How long are you going to stay in the house? You know, if you're going to move next year because you're going to retire, that can change the whole equation. And so, yeah, that's true that you don't have the tax deductions at that point. Well, maybe you should have tax deductions. <laughs> maybe we should look at that. And then how does that going to fit in the overall plan? But, you know, 100000 in the bank, okay, that's great. But, you know, it's great to have liquidity. I like a big cash cushion. For some people, it's an emotional cash cushion, and that's important as well. But my answer to all of these is what is the overarching goal for financial well-being and do you have enough saved? Do you have enough in liquidity? How fast can you get to it? And then what are your plans for the next year? And three and five. Forget about 30, because that's a different conversation. And a lot of people are a little bit, you know, up in the air about where they're going to move if they retire. Am I going to stay here? Am I going to move to a different state? If you're going to move, you know, yeah, if it's only 25000 to pay off your house, it seems like it's no big deal. I'd rather have the liquidity and the flexibility. And so I would say, one, you have to be able to answer some of those other questions and then see how it fits into the overall plan. But, you know, paying off your house 
because then you're thinking, oh, well, then I won't have to worry about it anymore. You still have to pay taxes, Hmm. property taxes, you know, which is a a little bit different look at that dilemma. If all of your liquidity is in the house and you don't have liquidity to pay the property taxes, guess what? You're not going to own that house for very long because the state actually owns it. Yeah. So it always depends on the situation. It's a big question, certainly, and it's something that I think a lot of people just need to keep in mind that sometimes we might want to do something from an emotional standpoint. Sometimes it's okay to allow those emotions to have an impact, but this might be a scenario, Janine, again, depending on some of those factors you mentioned, where hey, it just it feels good to go ahead and pay the house off, but does it make financial sense? Is that really in your best interest? Worth analyzing. That's exactly right. There's that emotional quotient, and then there's the economics of the decision, and that's what we try to look at. Well, if you need help with your financial plan, similar to some of the things that we've talked about on today's program, as always, you can reach out to Janine. If you're a current client, you know how to get in touch. But if you're new to the show, new to Janine and the team at Theos Wealth Advisors, and you want to talk about maybe your plan, how you might be able to get a review of your situation and better improve your plan going forward, here's what you can do. You can call 443-718-6311. That's 443-718-6311. You'll probably speak with Gracie when you call in, and she'll get you all set up for a conversation with Janine. And you can always go online to theuswealthadvisors.com for past programs. You can listen to, read the blog, check out some videos and lots of great information there on the website as well about planning for retirement. Don't forget to order your Retirement Rescue Toolkit. If you haven't already, there's a book, an audio CD, a DVD, lots of reports and other goodies packed into that toolkit. And here's the best part. It's absolutely free. It's a great starting point for a lot of folks as they start thinking about their retirement plan. Again, you can get that Retirement Rescue Toolkit on the website, theuswealthadvisors.com. Janine, thanks for the show today and for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next time. Thanks so much, Walter. Talk to you soon. Janine Theus, I'm Walter Stroll. We'll talk to you next time on your financial mission. Mm 